Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, as I was looking at the assignments uh, that we had laid out for the Gospel of Luke, going through the Gospel verse by verse, we came to this week, and I kind of asked myself, would I rather speak all of the names and the genealogy of Jesus Christ, or would I rather preach on all of the names of the genealogy of Jesus Christ? And it really was, it was a coin toss, so you, know, you just go with, with what you know. Um, but as we, as we study, we come to a section of scripture that I've got to be honest, a lot of times we'll skip over because there are names that are hard to pronounce, names that we don't really know. But we're coming after a section of scripture where last week, Pastor Dan told us Jesus is not done, right? Christmas may be over. All of the things by now, hopefully put away in your house. If they're not, uh, it's, it's January 19th. I mean, how long are you waiting? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but even though Christmas may be over in terms of the annual season that we celebrate, Christ is not done. We share his word with others. And one of the ways that we're doing that this year in 2020, we're celebrating how many times we as a congregation have a conversation about Jesus with other people. And so we are tallying all of these conversations and you can text how many you've had to 248-274-4676. And we will add your number to the list. And, and somebody asked me like, do you want just the number of conversations or do you want a story about what we talked about? And I said, both, yes. Uh, we want to know what you're doing and how you're living. And ultimately, the goal is that Jesus would be on our lips. Does it count if you're talking about Jesus uh, with other Christians? Yes. Does it count if you're sharing Jesus with somebody who's never heard of Jesus before? Yes. Does it count if you're a preschool teacher in the school? Yes. We just want Jesus to be on our lips and have it become a normal part of our lives. And so to give you an update this week, our current count of everything tabulated that we rambled together was 181, which I think is amazing. And we are well on the way to what God would have for us, speaking the name of Jesus. Now, what's in a name? As you looked at that list, as you listened to the words of God from his holy scripture that Pastor Dan shared with you this morning, how many names did you catch? One. That's good. We are starting at one. I mean, there were 77 names between Jesus and the Son of God. 77 names. And as you look at the gospel of Luke and the genealogy, and you look at the gospel of Matthew and his genealogy, how many names do you think match and are in both lists? It's a real question. Throw out an answer. All of them. Less, less than all of them. 30? Less than 30. More than two. Although that's a good count too. Five! Five names match! That's it! Like, are we, are we to believe that, that Matthew and Luke came up with these genealogies and they're totally different? Yeah. 
because Matthew and Luke seek to do different things with their genealogies. Luke, it's said, is translating and, and basically forecasting the direct descent from father to son of the line. He's talking about families where Matthew is talking about the legal descent, the, the aspect of the kingship passing down from generation to generation. It's why there are some names in Matthew's genealogy that aren't in Luke's genealogy and vice versa because they're seeking to do different things. They also go in a different order. Luke starts with Jesus and goes backwards. And Matthew starts with Abraham and goes forwards. And they do different things. Only Jesus and five other names match on both lists. Luke does something in particular too where he lists Jesus being the son of Adam and the son of God. But as we, as we get into it this morning, I want us to focus on what's in a name. Because what causes you to remember a person? There were a lot of names on the list, and I could see, I could recognize about one in five. Fewer than 20 names were, were recognizable to me. And, and I went to school for this, right? <laughs> But, but I, wanted to, I wanted to put a, a few names before you this morning to see if you could recognize them. Ken Jennings. I'll do a, I'll do a show. We'll do a show of hands. How many recognize Ken Jennings? Yeah? Recently, uh, this, this past week, Ken Jennings was named the greatest of all time, the GOAT, if you will, for Jeopardy. He beat Be uh, Brad Rutter who is the top money holder in Jeopardy history. He beat this new guy, Kevin Van, whatever his name is, uh, who, huh? James Holzhauser. James Holzhauser, yeah, not even Kevin. Like, <laughs> obviously not the goat, right? It's Ken Jennings. Ken Jennings is the one who is better than any other Jeopardy player in the history of Jeopardy. What about this one? Michael Phelps, yeah. Michael Phelps, man, he is clothed in gold medals. I, I had to crop this picture intentionally. He's actually holding more gold medals, but he's in a swimsuit, and I didn't think that was a church-appropriate picture because uh, it's a Speedo. Uh, but, but Michael Phelps, probably the greatest swimmer of all time with more gold medals than any other swimmer or any other athlete in history, amazing what Michael Phelps has done. Little hometown hero, yeah? I feel like, the, yeah, <laughs> right? Don't talk to me about Emmett Smith. Barry Sanders is the greatest running back of all time. He, he is phenomenal, he's fantastic. He would do things on the football field that you would just think were not possible. Not possible. And then you might say, Pastor Matt is a Spartan, and there's no way this next person would be on the list. But what about, what about this one? Tom Brady. Yeah. Even I, as a Spartan, can say that Tom Brady is the GOAT. Right? He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He is number one, more Super Bowls than any quarterback, more postseason wins than any quarterback. This is the GOAT. I think I got the picture wrong. 
But then we, we come to Jesus. And, and we come to all of these names on the list. Luke tells us about Jesus. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph. Luke kind of winking at us there. Joseph is not Jesus's biological father. But if you were looking at Jesus's family, that's probably what you expected. And then Luke lists 77 other names, which we will not talk about today. But if you want to talk about those 77 names and nerd out over them, I've got pages and pages and pages of research, but I wanted us to finish the sermon in some somewhat reasonable time so we can talk about those later. But, but 38, verse 38, Luke tells us, Jesus was the son of Adam, the son of God. Jesus does all that we cannot do. Jesus is all that we cannot be. And Luke shows us immediately that Jesus is the son of man and Jesus is the son of God and he has to be both. If Jesus is not man, his sacrifice is not for us. And if Jesus is not God, his sacrifice is not worthy the Bible tells us no man can give his life for another. So Jesus needs to be greater than in order for his sacrifice to be valid. You see, of all the names we listed in the genealogy, of all the names that we would know in our lives, even those men and women who have made great names for themselves over time, only one name is greatest of all time. Paul actually tells us a little bit about this in Philippians and how this came to be. Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him highly and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will one day bow. There are those who will do it by choice, and there are those who will do it by defeat. And we recognize as Christians that Jesus does what we cannot See, if, of all the people listed and the great works they have done, they will never save themselves. There's no answer in jeopardy, or rather question, uh, that, that Ken Jennings can ask, which will save himself. There's no amount of yardage that Barry Sanders can run. There's, there's not a number of Super Bowls that Tom Brady can win. And in our lives, there's not a, enough love that we can share with others or services that we could perform which would somehow save ourselves. 
Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He affirms for us after the resurrection that there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Something really interesting happened uh, after last week's sermon. It was, it was phenomenal, and, and I'm talking after what happened actually in the text, not after last week, last Sunday. But if you look at John the Baptist, if you look at the ministry that John the Baptist had, John had a great ministry until Jesus arrived. Everyone was coming to see John in the wilderness, and, and the Pharisees and the scribes and, and all the people were flocking to him. And then from last week's text, we see that even Jesus himself shows up at John's church and asks to be baptized by John. Can you think about that? Like, if you're John, like, Jesus just came to my church. Guys, 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 do you see that? We need it. We need to advertise, put it on a billboard. Jesus was here. Everybody come to this church. I know it's out of the way in the wilderness. It's not in Jerusalem with the big city, but there's plenty of parking. Jesus shows up. Jesus is baptized. Next week, we'll see that Jesus defeats temptation. Spoiler alert. But then Jesus, right, <laughs> Jesus starts performing public ministry. And John's disciples start to notice what Jesus is doing. And listen to what they say to their rabbi. They say, Rabbi, John, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing. And all are going to him. Oh. You see that new church? Oh, everybody's going to that new church. They're all going to Kensington. They're all going to Woodside. They're all going to St. John. They're all going, oh. John answers. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness. That I've said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. John knows what his ministry is about. He knows the work he must perform. Another translation, the, the New Living Translation says this, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. John points to Jesus. Everything about him points to Jesus. And what's in a name? Jesus' name is salvation. And so John points to the one who can save. But what about you? 
What are you known for? What would people say you were all about? A few weeks ago, my family started having a a conversation about names, of all things. And the, the girls were talking to the boys, except Eugene, who doesn't really speak yet. And, and they, were, they were saying, Dad, if Eugene and Ezekiel don't have boys, the Schuler name is over. And I said, I mean, yeah, that's, that's probably how, yeah, that's how it would end. And, and they said, well... Like, wouldn't Opa be mad? And I was like, huh? They're like, well, the name, the name, uh, oh, like uh, Eugene John Schuler passed down, you know, the Schuler name being carried on. I said, I don't think, I don't think your Opa was concerned so much about the name, his name as the name, Jesus. Because there was something that your Opa passed on to me, and there's something that I am hoping to pass on to you, and I'm hoping that you will then pass that on to your children, and it's not the name Schuler. Because if I was pinning my hopes on the name Schuler, I would probably give up in 10, 20, 30 years whenever my girl got married. Because I'd already be down three to three to two, right? My my hopes are not pinned on my last name. My hopes are pinned on Jesus, and that was what your opa showed me, and that's what I want you to show your kids. Because everyone who came before us is a witness to His great name, to Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This life is going to be difficult. Sin is going to to cling to us. But he says, be encouraged by everyone who is with you and everyone who came before you. And most importantly, the writer continues looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. His is the name which saves. His is the name whose story we tell. Because there is salvation found in no one else. And so may we speak of the one who came to live, to die, and to rise from the dead for our salvation. May we speak the name of Jesus with our family and with our friends and with everyone we meet. Pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for Jesus. The name above all names, our beautiful Savior, Emmanuel. Lord, help us to receive the gift that only you can give, life and life forever in his name. And help us to share that. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.